0: This is the Seven Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women with Sandy Waters. Seven Figures is sponsored by Family First Credit Union. When it comes to financial education, earning and learning go hand in hand. And Family First is here to help you and the greater Rochester community with both. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to uh, listen to the Seven Figures podcast. We really appreciate it. And with the holidays here, I know that most parents struggle with holding back from giving their kids everything they ask for, whether they really can afford it or not. Please, I'm guilty of it, too. And even though it comes from a good place, it sends the wrong money message. A lot of people will say it's because of the mom guilt, right? We work long hours. Spoiling our kids is the way to make up for that time away from them. So what should we be doing instead? And how can we teach our kids the right money lessons? Susan Beacham, founder of Money Sammy Generation, joins the podcast this week. Thank you, Susan,
1: for coming back. Uh, It's my pleasure.
0: Now, Susan, the last time she was on, she has a very, very cool backstory of how she got to where she is today, taking that leap of faith, pivoting from her successful corporate career to taking on this new mission to help educate kids about their finances. Now, you can scroll back to the show. It's titled How to Teach Your Kids About Money the Right Way and Learn About Susan. Um, But today, I think we should just continue the conversation, get right to it. Because I know you say you're a firm believer in that money lessons should start right away.
1: Exactly. Uh, From the time your child is showing some kind of interest in money, you should start addressing it. And even if they're very young, it doesn't mean they don't understand that there's something particularly provocative about money. Uh, Kids are so intuitive. so. There's a, a way I break this up, which I think is helpful. And I start with ages 6 to 12. And I call that the window of opportunity to shape money behavior. Okay. So they're little blank slates at this point, uh, especially, you know, at the earlier ages, 6, 7, and 8. And they adore us, love us. They think we're brilliant. <laughs> and they want to please us. This changes. Quickly, As they enter that second segment, I'll talk about the 13- to 18-year-old window. It, but in a very age-appropriate way, we have the opportunity now to set the message, to set the money behavior. And I've got a long list of things that I would uh, suggest you do, but I'm going to focus in on one in each category, maybe okay. two, to, to get you started. Because parents sometimes feel overwhelmed by yeah. this, Sandy. And so let's not overwhelm anybody. With our own own
0: financial situation, we feel overwhelmed, let alone trying to teach somebody.
1: Yeah. And if you don't feel confident about something, you're not going to want to take your kids on Mm -hmm. uh, this journey. So this is really simpler than you think. Let's start shaping behavior in the age 6 to 12 category. Remember something about children. They don't get abstract concepts until they're in their early 20s. So the brain doesn't really, isn't as strong a tool when they're six as it is when they're 21. So you've got to make everything that's abstract concrete. So use coin and currency when you're dealing with very young children. But the key I want to focus on in this six to 12 year old category is chores. You know, I, people are going to be like, chores? Seriously? Okay, here's why I want you to focus on chores. I'm going to talk a lot about gateway opportunities. Mm -hmm. Chores are the gateway to developing a strong work ethic. So I'm going to say that again because it's really an important sentence. Chores are the gateway to a strong work ethic. So many times as children get older, we find that their work ethic may not be as um, focused as we would like in school, uh, at work. In life, chores actually help a child practice the discipline necessary to push through uh, unpleasant or boring things.
0: And there have been a lot of business owners that I have spoken to who say when they hire the younger generation, 20-year-olds, they don't know how to work. Right. So right. do you think this is it? This was the breakdown in their parents didn't assign them the chores like you're referring to?
1: If I had to pick one thing, I would say it's this. Because um, chores are a drag to assign to a child because you're trying to figure out what they can do and, and not make more work for you out of it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. They're a, a drag to follow up on. Kids are going to do everything in their power to convince you that it's not worth your effort. Again, Susan, it's like you look inside my house every day. (laughs) Well, you know, I never thought of chores this way until recently when I was doing some research into this. I wanted to figure out what are the keys in each category. And when I found, it just makes logical sense, Sandy. If you can get a child to push through doing an unpleasant or boring task, That's mental training, right? That's discipline. And eventually, eventually, by pushing through, the child starts to experience that satisfaction Hmm. of getting that unpleasant chore done. And then that becomes fulfilling. That translates not just to money. That translates to exercise. That translates to work at home. That translates to work in the workforce. So this is a great simple opportunity to teach a child how to practice and push through the wall of unpleasant or boring tasks. Now, when I do house cleaning, I have forever put on, okay, I'll admit to this, ABBA. Oh, okay. (laughs) As loud as I can to help me push through, right?
0: Uh uh Uh-huh. And then
1: I will revisit rooms and look at them once they're organized and clean. And that feels so uh, good. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah. you, don't have, you, know, you, can, you don't have to make a chore a chore. So do something fun with the kids. There was some great advice in Parents Magazine. Put music on. Change up the chores. Um, make it a time challenge. I suggested this recently when I was talking to a bunch of parents and a father came up to me and said, oh, I do the time challenge all the time. Of course a dad would do that, right, competition? Mm -hmm. But it works. It works. So eventually what will happen if you take the chore out of chores is it becomes more fun. The kids, without even realizing it, they are learning something that is a key gateway skill to success with money and with life later on.
0: Okay. So, so now I'm gonna admit some and I feel guilty. After hearing <laughs> you say this and describe chores in such a simple way, I will be the one to say, sometimes I am so busy myself that I don't oh it's gonna sound awful. I don't have the time to, oh my gosh, now I gotta hold your hand and help you do your chore in a fun way.
1: Yeah. So let, let me tell you this the short term investment is worth the long term impact. So making time to work on chores with a young child takes far less time and agony than working with an older child who needs your help to focus and apply discipline in college or working with an older child who's looking for a job because they lost a job because they didn't have a strong work ethic.
0: Okay, we're going to remind ourselves of that phrase. (laughs) when we're like, oh, God, I don't have time.
1: Okay, we're going to make time. And you don't have to, Sandy, do one. You don't have to do, to make it simple, create the chore, write the chore down, put um, boxes next to it that the child can check off, and post it somewhere. Now it's a thing, all right? It's It's in writing for very young children. It's a very concrete way to remind them. And make sure that they understand that when they work it through, something's going to happen. What's going to happen? Once their chores are done, you will go for ice cream. Once their chores are done, you will let them watch an extra hour of this or be on a computer or, you know, praise God, read a book. Um, (laughs) That's what they're jumping at the bit to do.
0: (laughs) So is there a a reward then? That's the important component of this as well? I don't want to say
1: that the reward is an important component because we don't want to go there this early. We want the reward to be pushing through the difficult task and the feeling that they have. However, however, um, to keep it interesting, to keep it provocative, perfectly appropriate to say if you see a kid struggling through it, you won't see them struggle at six. You might see them struggle at 12. Hmm. Perfectly appropriate to make it more provocative in an age-appropriate way. Okay. All right. So let's jump. Let's jump to ages thirteen through eighteen. Oh boy, now, when the kids start to be
0: defiant and what they call independent. <laughs>
1: yes, but you know, I tell parents all the time, this is so age appropriate, right? Okay. You want them pushing. Um, you want them trying to break the cocoon so they strengthen their their wings and they can fly. Mm-hmm. You want them to push against you and against life. And one way that you can get them. To do that and to do that successfully is conditional allowance now we don't have enough time to go into conditional allowance in depth but I want to talk about two things in this segment I want to suggest to you that allowance is something that's conditional it's paid for a reason so it's paid to cover an expense that you as a parent are already covering it is not extra money it's very specific. I strongly recommend in this category, remember, make the abstract concrete, that you write it down. If you go to our website, you can find all of these templates, and you can download them for free. It's a simple piece of paper that says um, what you're going to pay, when you're going to pay it, and what you're going to pay it for, and then you both, parent and child, sign it. So it's allowance that has conditions. Conditions mean what that money is going to be paid for. Allowance, conditional allowance, and that's the key word, is the gateway to budgeting. This is like chores, we're the gateway to a strong work discipline, work ethic. Allowance is the gateway to budgeting. So start there, and then the one I want to hit on real hard in this segment, get a job. Set the expectation that your child will work.
0: At what age do you feel is appropriate? And I know it probably is child-specific, but what do you think in general?
1: Well, um, the Fair Labor Standards Act will tell you within your state at what age a child can work. Most states, as a general rule, set age 14 years of age as the minimum age for employment. And they limit hours, roughly 15 hours a week. Um, until the age of 16, and then it's, you know, all bets are off. Your kid can do what they can do. So when now, you
0: say work, is that what you were referring to, or are you saying, hey, go find a babysitting job, uh, cutting the, gr- the grass or shoveling someone's driveway kind of work?
1: Yep, yep, yep. Those work, too. Okay. Absolutely. Those work, too. Basically, the reason a job is so important, and in the re- and you do, as a parent, you set the expectation that they will work. And you also provide a need. So if you're paying for everything and you're giving them everything, there's no need to supplement everything, right? So when you start with a conditional allowance, you're already articulating you're going to cover these expenses now. I'm going to give you the money for that. But very quickly, that won't be enough in a child's world. They will want more. This is a good thing. A job helps them reach more. A job, and this is an important sentence I'm going to say twice, a job helps your child to separate from you, their parents, emotionally and financially. A job helps your child separate from you, their parents, emotionally and financially, how they learn that they can create money. Through work, they can earn money. That tells them that they are no longer necessarily 100% dependent on a parent. That That starts to open up all kinds of doors for them in their thinking. I can do this. I can stand on my own two feet. I can create opportunities for myself that create money, that help me do things. This is a strong hit to self-esteem. This is very empowering. And I want to tell parents who say to me, my kid's job, my kid's job is to get good grades. Yes, and to work. It will not impact their grades. There's all kinds of research that will support my saying to you that kids can work up to 15 hours a week and it won't hit their grades. Every child is different. Some people listening right now are going to say, not my kid. My kid really needs all that time. You remember the old saying, the more you have to do, the more you get done? Mm-hmm. Try it. There's a lot of wisdom in it. If you see your kids starting to flounder, step it back.
0: So, okay, a lot of kids have a lot of extracurricular activities in addition to the schoolwork. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. saying, well, they have to figure out how to juggle it all? Yep. Okay. Okay.
1: Well, here's why. Here's why. They have the time. We spend an extraordinary amount of time protecting our kids from reality. We do. Um, Adversity? Adversity is a very, very important thing. It's a door to pass through in life. And once you pass through the door of adversity, all kinds of things are possible in your thinking. So... I spend uh, maybe a third of my time interviewing high-performing adolescents. And these are kids, Sandy, who have every extracurricular, sports, academic, and yet they're still working at the grocery store two days, three days a week. They get it done. They're not crazy about it. In fact, they roll their eyes over the fact that I tell them that They're making $9 an hour and they need to pay themselves first out of every paycheck. But they've got to have money to understand how to work with money. And a paycheck from a job is a very um, important teaching tool because all of a sudden it's their money, not your money. So, you know, allowance is still kind of your money transferring over to them, but a job is an independent Mm. resource of money. So if you're worried about it conflicting with sports, if you're worried about it conflicting with grades, sit down and talk about it. You might find that your child has more room to do that than you think, but a lot of parents are afraid to push against that. Don't be afraid. None of us can remember as parents what it felt, the energy level we had it. 15, 16, and 17, right? That is a very valid point. Yep, yep. We we just don't know anymore. It's there. It's the, the potential is there. And a paycheck, I remember when Allison, my oldest, who is happy birthday, turning 27 today, she came home with her first paycheck from the shoe store. She would get a dollar for every pair of shoes she sold as a commission. And um, she showed me the paycheck, and she said, What is F-I-C-A, and why is it taking so much of my paycheck? (laughs) Oh, see, that's a valuable lesson too. Sure. sure. They don't want to talk about taxes until it cuts into their money. Yes. And their money, uh, here's another thing I want to tell parents about job, and then I'll move into the next category. But um, in all the teens that I've talked to in, in focus groups, they tell me that they get their paycheck, and they go home, and they sit on their bed, and they open up their laptops, and they spend it online. And I suggest to them that they should save some. And they look at me like I have two heads. <laughs> so before your child gets a job, sit down and have the discussion. Okay, when you get your paycheck, here's, what, here's our plan. Let's talk about it together, but let's save some. Why would I save some? I'm only making insert, you know, hourly wage. Mm -hmm. Why would I save some? Here's why. Because this summer you may want to go to a camp, and I'll need you to contribute to that if you want to do it. Um, This summer you're going to get your license, and you're going to have to pay for gas and contribute to the insurance. See what I mean by now all of a sudden you've introduced a reason for why they would stop, think and reflect and take some of that money and put it aside. And it goes back.
0: Yeah, it goes back to making the time to mm-hmm. set the expectations. Right. We, we sometimes tend to just kind of just go with it. OK, today I'll pay for your friend's birthday gifts. Tomorrow I may not because I don't feel like it's in my budget. In your kid, it's confused. Right. Your child is confused by when are you going to pay when are you not. So all of this is eliminating yeah. a lot of those
1: battles. I wish I, had, could, I could, could create an app that was given to every parent as they're leaving the hospital with their child with yes. the promise that I will ping you when you need to start yours. I will ping you <laughs> when we need you need that. to have a job ju- yes. discussion. Because um, you're absolutely right, Sandy. If you get in front of this message, mm-hmm. it's so much easier than trying to dig yourself out later because you see... Ugh! I should have. I would have, could have, should have. So um, get in front of it, have the discussion. I'll tell you, when Allison started her job, I introduced this idea of saving, and she said, it's my money. I'm going to do what I want with it. I said, well, okay then. And then at the end of the summer, I asked her for her pay stubs, and we added it all up, and it was several thousand dollars that she had made. The kid really has a strong work ethic. And I said, um, I took her to lunch. And I said, so I added up your pay stubs, And this is what you made this summer. And she looked at me and she said, where did it all go? I said, I don't know. Where did it all go? So
0: you bit your tongue for an entire summer, just watched her waste her money. Oh, that's discipline. Susan, you got to be our lifeline when we want to.
1: <laughs> just call me. Um, you know, the short-term feel-good, take care of the expense, force the issue isn't as good as the long-term mm-hmm. impact when they start to, when the scales fall from their eyes and they start to see it your way. Uh, so, yeah, I spent a whole summer looking the other way, and then I showed her, and I said, if you had just taken ten dollars from every paycheck or a hundred dollars from every paycheck, you'd have this much left. And that was quite sobering for her. And but it was it was great. It was a teachable moment. I'd rather she have that moment after working the summers in high school than when she's thirty.
0: Okay, this is a beautiful transition into the next question. A lot of parents are struggling with letting go, right? When their adult yeah. kids come around looking for a bailout, can you step in? And the perfect gift that will encourage your kids to be more engaged with their finances. But first, conversations like this one are sponsored by Family First Credit Union, local financial products and services designed with you in mind to help you and your family save and spend smarter. We are talking with Susan Beacham, founder of Money Savvy Generations. How to raise money-savvy kids. And you were talking about those valuable life lessons. You have to watch your kids fail, bite your tongue, and then they can learn that impactful lesson. But what happens when they are out of the house, and I feel like a lot of moms are nodding their head, and they come to you, they, they live on their own, and they're like, oh, I can't afford my bills. Help me, mom.
1: Well, I'll tell you after age 18, it's an uphill battle because you're not shaping behavior anymore. Mm -hmm. You're changing behavior. And any one of us who've ever had to change a behavior understand, stop smoking, go on a diet, um, start exercising, any one of us who've experienced that as an adult understand what an uphill battle that is to change behavior. But it's possible. It's possible. I'm going to get right back to what do you say to a child who says, I need your help to pay bills in just a second. Okay. But let's just say before that train wreck, you do a couple of things that maybe avoid hearing that from your child. Understand that after age 18, it's critical that you make the point of putting a budget down in writing, before they go to college, is your is your last great opportunity. You've got four more years to talk to them about what are your expenses and what is your income. And before you drop your child off at college and cry your way home, which I did, <laughs> before you do that, make sure they understand what dollars, what money they have available to them in the first 90 days. And then say, here's what we're going to do. Um, and you're now speaking as a parent to your child, I'm not sure, honey, how much you're going to need, but here we're going to guess by looking at your income, looking at your expenses, and then the money mom and dad are going to help you with. But I'm going to say that on this date, mark this down on your calendar, we're going to have a telephone conversation at 2 in the afternoon, and we're going to go over this because that's the thing about a budget, sweetheart. It, it's flexible. It's meant to um, manage your wants and your needs. So... Let's talk about it at 30 and see how well it's working. That is the most effective way to get your child not to feel as if they've failed. If within 30 days they've eaten out at every restaurant in the college town and not touched their meal plan. So in advance, again, advance work. Make sure you understand before they leave that you've written it down, what the budget is, Make sure they understand the date and the time you're going to review it within 30 days. Then, let's say your child's graduated from college. They've got their first job. They're starting to look at apartments. Say, okay, what's your budget? Do the math. This is simple math. If you've got a child who's making $40,000 a year because they're getting into a creative field and that field just doesn't pay what some of the other traditional fields pay, Support, don't enable. Support their creative gifts, but say to them, at this income level, you can't be looking at a $2,000 a year apartment. Mm-hmm. You need to be looking at sharing an apartment with two roommates so that you're not paying more than $800 a month. That's what you need to be doing.
0: And that's what you are saying about support, is the wisdom support, not financial support.
1: Right. You have a child graduate from college who looks at you and says, I need a gap year. I need a gap year. I think that's great, honey. If you think a gap year is going to move you along in your life journey, that's great. But it's on your own dime, not mine. No, parent, I'm going to say this and i'm sure people are going to be like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but no parent who pays for a gap year is happy about it they're just not because they start out being happy about it because the problem's been solved and their kid is happy three months into it what are they doing honey have you heard from him <laughs> oh
0: i know and you know what this is i think more moms are guilty of this right this is the you can't let your baby you you always want to be there to help your baby
1: Well, okay, so I I promised I'd answer your question, yeah, and I'm going to right now. So my daughter, who um, was laid off in June, and she is just now signing a job offer. It's been a long six months. And a month ago, she called us and said, I'm at the end of my lease, and I need to find another apartment. Will you co-sign a lease? So that I can move from this apartment to a new apartment. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. Oh, my God, Susan. (laughs) I know. You know, Sandy, I had to call my my friends. I had to um, call on my, you know, Lord and (laughs) and say, um, this is like the most incredibly hard and difficult thing I've ever done. For really good reasons. But I said, I said, I'm, do, I'm saying no because you could get your dream job in a month and it could be in a different state and we're on the hook for a 12-month lease. Uh, yeah, yeah. You are welcome to come home if you want. She chose not to. She sent out a text email or a text message yeah. to her friend group. And within 20 minutes, her friends had signed up for six weeks of couch surfing for her. She's now in her third location, and this week in her third location of couch surfing. It was funny. She called me this morning and said, Claire's bed is so comfortable, and I think it's really comfortable, or it could be because I've been sleeping on a sofa for the last week. Oh, my gosh. So saying no is sometimes the biggest gift you can give to your child because here's what no said to her. No said You've got this. No said, don't take your foot off the accelerator. Mm. No said, I know you're employable. I'm super confident of that. Um, No energized her for that last push to keep her shoulder in the back of this job search. There was no resting. Uh, You know, we give our kids, that's true. Yeah, we give our kids too much time to rest, they don't need to rest. That comes when they're our age. So she um, called me the next day after I said no and said, "Well, I didn't expect you to say yes."
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) So she didn't put up a fight. Was okay. No. Okay. All right. This parenting thing is tough. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But
1: but she gave it a shot. Yeah. So so understand, it's not your job to protect your children from real life. It's not your job to make your child's life easier in a way. That um, makes them codependent on you because, and I'm going to circle all the way back for just a second to Mm -hmm. your original question, we spoil our children, I believe, because it makes us feel good. Yeah. We forget to think about whether or not it's good for them. Our kids don't want, generally, especially in the younger ages, they don't want more gifts. They want more time. They yeah. cannot get enough of us. And time is the one thing parents struggle to give their children. So this holiday season, put aside busy and replace it with time. And it will pay off in the long term. So time with the children who are 18 plus, time means sitting down. And and I did this exercise myself, so I, I really want to talk quickly about this if I have time. Yeah, sure. All right, so um, everything you read today tells you, talk about your family money values. What the heck is that? Even myself, I would be like, what is that? What do you mean, talk about it? So I wrote down what I thought were my money values on an index card, and I went down to dinner, and I sat across from my husband, and I said, Michael, what are your money values? And he sat back in his chair for a minute, and he told me what his money values were. And I took that, I wrote it down, and that night we were meeting Amanda and her boyfriend, Amanda, who's 25, at a concert. And the concert was, as all concerts are, delayed. And so as I sat next to her, I turned and I said, Amanda, what are our family money values? Oh, my God, just like a mom, right? In the middle of a (laughs) concert. (laughs) Right. And I figured she can't can't hang up on me. Yep. She can't run Um, away. right she's a captured prisoner of my inquiry and 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 we had the time there was nothing else to do so it was so intriguing because amanda said um quality over quantity mom ah. and that was what i had put down quality over quantity because you know there is we're in a we're in a world of disposable so <laughs> You know, go ahead and go buy ten of those cheap shirts and get rid of them um, at discount retailer. I won't mention any names. Yeah. <laughs> um, the second thing she said was budget for control. Budget for control. I loved that she thought creating a budget gave you control over your money, and that was something both Michael and I had written down. And then this one I loved: don't spend money to show off. Ah, that's. I like that identical to what her father wrote down. And it's true, you know? I mean, I I didn't know it was translating like that, Sandy, to her, but that is a money value of ours. You know, we don't keep up with the Joneses, but I didn't know that I was being so obvious about it. It's just the way we lived. It's how we feel about our money. Then she said, invest in experiences, not things. We love to introduce, and we have, the girls, to international locations because we feel it's a global world and we want them to see different cultures, different mm. people. And it really set their high school years on fire because they would be in classrooms studying Estonia and Amanda would have been there and she would have known whether what was being said was true or not. It was fascinating. And then she said, invest in education where all parents are there. But then she threw one out there that with a red flag on the field, and that is once you are comfortable, donate. Hmm. So we had a conversation about how you're never going to feel comfortable enough to donate. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, you, you you can't wait to have enough. You have to decide, I have enough, and I'm going to take some of my enough off the table, whether it be money, time, or talent. That's the kind of family money value exercise that can be done this holiday season. It's fun. It's not um, it's kind of provocative to do this at Thanksgiving or to do this at Christmas. Do it with yourself first, then with your spouse. Have that conversation and then move it to having it with your kids. And I I guarantee you, as a parent, you're going to feel great that your actions have translated into solid family money values that you can all be proud of. And I, I suppose that's the... the the one thing that parents forget, and that is we model, they watch, they learn, and they apply the behavior they see in us, they apply it first to how they live life.
0: That is so true.
1: Susan, so, this
0: is like a, uh, a parenting podcast slash financial podcast. Well, <laughs> You, you know, made I, us better parents right now.
1: Yeah. You know, thank you so much, because I have come to realize, Sandy, that as I do these things, it's really about parenting as well as about parenting on the topic of money. Um, And the more that I do this, I realize how how they cross, Mm -hmm. um, how they cross. And but I'm excited about that, because what that tells me is all of these statistics that we hear about millennials not saving or we hear about people who only have $50,000 saved at age 60. You know, just by tweaking our parenting, just by tweaking our parenting, we can help our children avoid those outcomes. And I tell parents all the time, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. So you don't have to do any of what we talked about today perfectly. You just have to do something.
0: Do it, yeah. You just have
1: to do it. And then when you you forget to pay allowance on time, acknowledge it up front, talk about what happened, and start again. Your kids will understand from that that mistakes are made with money, but they're fixable. And if my parents can make a mistake, then that gives me permission to make mistakes and fix them, not hide them.
0: This is one of these episodes that we will all listen back over and over and over again. It's like that TV show or that movie where you watch it the second, third time, and you're like, whoa, I, I didn't see that part. This is going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> Terrific. Where, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I want to take time on the money-savvy generation pig, the piggy bank, because that is a great a uh, holiday gift, especially an introduction one for that kid in your life, or either it's your kid or, or a family member, right?
1: The, yes, the um, I, gosh, we introduced the Money Savvy Pig, which is a piggy bank with four slots at the top, four tummies, four plugs at the bottom, and each tummy represents a money choice save, spend, donate, and invest. And it comes with goal setting stickers because I'm a big of making the abstract concrete. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're saving for. It's like a football game without touchdowns. Who cares? So um, the money-savvy peg, it it came to me in a dream after I was teaching in a first-grade classroom for a couple years, and I realized that my kids needed something very concrete to remind them that every time they had money, they had four choices, because they'd go home to, you know, the Beauty and the Beast Bank, that they couldn't even see the money. Uh And interestingly... Um, the visible accumulation of coin translates to the concept of saving. So just allowing your child to see the money reinforces. Mm -hmm. They put that lesson in a file, and it reinforces the idea that that's what it means to save, to accumulate. So the money-savvy pig, when it was first born, (laughs) (laughs) uh, after it came to me in a dream, and Sandy, let me tell you, I knew nothing about injection molding at the time, but I made my way through, and... Uh, It was first introduced, and uh, it was the Today Show where one of the hosts looked at it and loved it and then talked about it. And I started to get phone calls from parents who had adult children. We were sending these piggy banks to um, people in, in the military service. You know, mothers who who all of a sudden, mothers, a lot of mothers, who all of a sudden were seeing this image of, yeah, that's what I want them to do. Mm -hmm. So it's a very powerful piggy bank. And it's powerful not only because it sets up the very visible choice of there's more to do with money than just spend, but it starts you on that money conversation that most parents don't know how to start. And I would strongly recommend grandparents, If you've ever wanted to get at this topic with your grandchildren, and grandparents tell me um, that they would, if they'd known grandchildren, if they'd known uh, grandchildren were so much more fun, they would have had them first. Um, (laughs) So, you know, grandchildren, uh, uh, grandparents, excuse me, are great tools here to have in our toolbox when we're teaching our kids about money. So tell your parents this Christmas, go out and get this bank and then please have this discussion. And here's what I'd like you to support. These are our family money values. Do the exercise, the family money uh, exercise, with grandparents as well. And get that whole conversation around this very simple tool of a piggy bank that asks you each and every time the money-savvy piggy bank says, well, what do you want to do with that money? You want to save it, spend it, donate it, or invest it? And let's set a goal. Very powerful, very simple And I do believe that it raises all boats. I really do. I have, over the years, I have seen this in schools. I have seen this in churches. I've seen this in um, um, centers that are helping women uh, move out of the sex trade. You know, the inability to manage money can uh, put us in, in, in a situation yeah. That we have a hard time unraveling ourselves from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the ability, the simple education of being empowered to understand money choices and goal setting and paying yourself first and living beneath your means, they can release you from circumstances that, um, if not taken care of, will change the course of your life in a way you never really intended. Absolutely. So, it gives you power. It gives you choices. It gives you freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Opportunity. Yes. Um, there's, just, there's just no good reason why you don't sit down <clears throat> and make sure that your child, whether they're 6, 16, or 26, just start while your child doesn't understand it. Because it is, it's, we talked about keys. It's the key to a happy and successful life. It's the key to launching a child that not only survives, but indeed thrives.
0: I love it. Oh, Susan, you are amazing. Susan Beecham, Money Savvy Generation. What is the best way to get the piggy bank to learn more about you, um, all of it?
1: I, I would be privileged if people would come to our website at moneysavvy.com. Savvy, And took a look, ordered a bank, if that was well within their budget, left me a note. I'd love to know that they'd heard uh, from the two of us on this conversation, and that's what moved them forward. That's the wind beneath my wings. Of course, if you're an Amazon person, you can go to Amazon, and you can put in money, savvy, pig, and you're going to see all the different colors. We have a football and a soccer ball as well that are four choices because our boys still need that help. But in sixth grade, they start to get squeamish about piggy banks. No, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. And happy holidays to you and your family.
1: Happy holidays to you, too. And I look forward to the next time and the next topic we tackle together, Sandy.
0: She is one of my favorite, favorite guests. Spread the word about Susan Beecham, Money Savvy Generation. All right. Next time we talk, we're going to be talking about taxes. Yay. (laughs) I know we don't want to think about it, but this year is going to be a little bit different when we file our taxes. So what you need to know, we're going to help you get planned and prepared for that next time we talk. In the meantime, let's just think about friends, family, and turkey. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. If you have a personal finance question or feedback about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to Sandy at sandy at rochesterbuzz.com. New episode every Friday. Listen, subscribe, and tell a friend about the 7 Figures Podcast. Smart money strategies for women.